0: Thank you for downloading Pride, Scotland's March for Equality with pinksaltire.com.
1: Now, Mickey, Pink Saltire are lifting the voices of LGBT people from cities to the
0: islands. Whoever you are, they are your community champion. Even if you're a fifer like me, and uh, you can find out more about the charity by heading to the dedicated web hub at pinksaltire.com. I'm Grant, I have a boyfriend. I'm Mickey, and I have a
1: husband. And we're just a couple of gays making a podcast about Pride here in Scotland. Yeah.
0: Pride! Scotland's March for Equality.
1: Well, welcome to the Pride, Scotland's March for Equality series of podcasts. I'm Grant Thompson. I'm Mickey Gavin. And uh, we're
0: here for. it's it three podcasts we're doing, Mickey? I think we're doing three. Uh, <laughs> I might end up just being one, but it's it, at the moment, we're planning three. So we'll see how this goes. So um, I'm Grant, I have a boyfriend. Uh, I'm Mickey. I'm married. It's coming up for two years. In fact, well-remembered, because uh, at my anniversary is in September at some point.
1: Are you still with... Uh, I, I
0: remember meeting your husband 10 years ago. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be the same one, actually, because it's been, it's been a while. <laughs> it's <laughs> been a while. He's far too sensible for you. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm, I'm punching a little bit as well, to be fair. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I've been with Brian for... Ooh, it must be 15 years something like that and then we've been married for almost two now 15 years in gay relationship terms
1: is an eternity it's a lifetime we are here to talk about lgbt and what it means so i thought what we do to start off the podcast is that we're going to use a lot of terms like trans like bisexual let's explain each of those terms So let's start with L. L stands for lesbian and I think everyone knows what a lesbian is, but just in case, a lesbian is a woman who's attracted to
0: other women. Then we're on to G. G is gay. Uh, darling. That's you. (laughs) That's me. That's that's me as well, but we're not attracted to each other. Well, Well, we might be, but we're not going to admit it. I remember the first time you saw me and that's definitely not what you said. (laughs) Anyway, bisexual, Grant. B for
1: bisexual, a person whose primary sexual orientation is towards people of the same and other genders,
0: usually described as people who are attracted to both men and women. T is for trans or transgender, people whose gender is not the same as or does not normally sit comfortably with the sex they were assigned at birth. So, for example, if somebody was born male but now identifies as a female, she would be a trans female. If someone was born female at birth but now identifies as a man he would be referred to as a trans man. Now, queer or questioning? Now, queer is not straight and can be used as an umbrella term for anyone in the LGBT community. It can be used as a term for sexuality or gender. It can be used by heterosexuals as a term for just being... Uh, in a different relationship, I guess. Um, Is it still an insult or a slur? No, we were talking about this because, yes, it
1: did used to be a slur, Mm. but now, actually, it's quite cool. I would describe myself as queer because it just means different. It just means a wee bit different, just a wee bit queer. I am a bit queer. You are. And then we have the plus, uh, which is everyone else. So there's a, a whole host of terms here. We have an ally who uh, mm-hmm. producer Kat was describing. as a wee pal. And that is so right. An ally is someone who doesn't identify as LGBT, but does support the community. And then we have non-binary. Now, people whose gender identity doesn't sit comfortably with man or woman. Non-binary identities can include people who identify with some aspects of being male and female. So at some point, they can feel more like a woman and to others to feel more like a man. But some other non-binary folk just don't associate with being either. So you might have heard this term more in the media last year or so because Sam Smith came out as
0: being non-binary. And then you have ABBA. Who were just fabulous. The gays love a bit of that. But.
1: There's loads of letters and there, loads of pluses, but that is what everything means. And that those are the terms you're going to hear throughout this series of podcasts. So we thought we'd clean them up just in case you were wondering.
0: Now, the amount of LGBT plus people in the UK is increasing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there are more people becoming gay or bi or trans. But it possibly means that they're living more openly. Yeah, I actually don't think that's ever changed. I think there's always been
1: a percentage of gay people in society, but now it's so much more accepting, it's so much easier to come out that we're not hidden away anymore. Like, 20 years ago, if I was here 20, well, I was here 20 years ago, but if I was the age I am now, 20 years ago, I would still be gay, but I possibly wouldn't be openly gay and
0: doing this podcast. I think I was the age you are 20 years ago. (laughs) I don't look young, but I'm not
1: that young. So here's a wee stat for you, and this is from the Office for National Statistics, and this was published in March. The amount of people in the UK identifying as lesbian, gay or bisexual, LGB, increased from 1.6% in 2014 to 2.2% in 2018. So that those numbers don't sound very big, but that's around
0: 1.2 million people over the age of 16 who identify of LGB. Men are more likely to identify as LGB than women. That's 2.5% of men against 2% of women. And people aged 16 to 24 were the most likely to identify as LGB. That was in 2018. 4.4%, by the way.
1: Now, there's no exact figure for trans in the UK, but it's estimated that 1% of the UK identify
0: trans or non-binary, and that is 600,000 people. So it's not a small number of people. Mm, A lot of people. So in 2018, it was also reported that 2.6% of the population in Scotland were lesbian, gay or bisexual. That's uh, more than 141,000 people. That's why gay pride's always so busy. I did wonder where all the gays were coming from, but that's where. Um, That's like the population of, I don't know where it is like, but that's almost like the population of Dundee.
1: You know, there's an island um, somewhere upstate New York and the population of this wee island is about a thousand people, but it's very popular with gay males. So during the summer, the population of this island is like 90% gay. I'm I'm trying to remember the name of that island. What's it called? Is it?
0: Is that Fire Island? It's Fire Island, yes. (laughs) I don't know how it, somebody must have told me about that one. It's it not in a movie? Google that, it definitely is in a movie. <laughs> is it? I'll, yes. I'll leave that Google for later. Pride. Scotland's March for Equality. So, Mickey, I've never asked you this, but when did you come out? Ooh, probably before you were born, Grab. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't that long ago. Um, for me, I think, I, I remember telling uh, my mum when I think I was about 18, um, but I'd kind of known for quite a few years before that, and... Uh, yeah i think the first person i ever ever even spoke um about it to uh, was my best pal from school actually and uh, that was when we were about 16 i think we we discussed it shall we say and uh, yeah, I, I waited a couple of years uh, to tell my mum, who was absolutely cool about it, and then I waited quite a few years after that to tell my dad, uh, because I, w- I was worried, and I don't know whether it was just the male thing, but I thought, all oh, right, he might not be quite so accepting as my yeah. mum, and I was absolutely wrong with that. He was absolutely brilliant with it. He just sussed it out one day. It was like a, a light bulb moment, and he said to my mum, "Is Mickey gay?" My mum was like, uh, "Well, uh, uh,
2: uh,
0: yes, 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 I think so." And I was like, "Good." And my mum like, <laughs> said, uh, uh, well, why? You know, you, you're OK with it? My dad said, yeah, I'm fine with it. He's my son. What's what's the problem here? If anybody else has got anything to say about it, they can speak to me, is what he said. So uh, I was like, oh, that's good. Dad fighting the corner there. Um, yeah, that that was me. So probably about 18 was when, uh, when I was ready to tell the world. So
1: I don't really have a, a big coming out story because I didn't actually ever come out. Oh really? Is this
0: is this so? Well, like hi, Mum. If you're now? listening to
1: this podcast, this might be a wee surprise. Grandkids are kind of uh, on the whole for me at the moment. Well, no. Um, so it, it it just we were not a very emotional family about talking about feelings and stuff. Mm, we were really right. bad at that. We're getting better. Uh, but when I was 16, 17, I knew all my friends knew, and of course my mum knew. But it was just never talked about. And mm. my first boyfriend was referred to as my friend. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, friend. Grad, is your friend John coming for dinner? And that was my way of knowing that that was fine. My mum was all right with it. She was inviting him for dinner.
0: And if my mum's offering to cook someone food, everything's fine. <laughs> That's when you know. That's definitely when you know. So um, did, you, did you have a girlfriend or anything before that?
1: Um, in early high school, I think so. Um, I, I, I don't really know. Not an not, not official girlfriend, but I did have a girl who we would used to go up the park and kiss. Oh, really? <laughs> I was 12.
0: I suppose. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't really. I mean, I had, I had friends that were girls, obs, but um, not really anything romantic. So have you ever kissed a girl? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I have. But I, I, I'm trying to think. But I mean, I must have been pretty young when I did. But um, yeah, probably just because that's what you did, you know?
1: It was the first time I kissed a girl was really awkward. And it just it just wasn't right. <laughs> it, was, it was a nice kiss. It just, I really apologise. I think the girl's name is Natalie. So Natalie, I apologise for the worst kiss you've probably ever had in your life. <laughs>
0: I hope she's not listening to this. Well, I hope she is. Now she knows it wasn't her. It was me. <laughs> uh, and what about negative? I mean, have you ever faced any negativity for it? Not really. Not So when you see the stories that are shared on Facebook,
1: I genuinely haven't had anything horrific happen to me. I think part of being gay, I have had comments. Uh, I've been called other names under the sun. But that's as far as it goes. I've never been beaten up for being gay or anything like that.
0: Yeah, same here. I've, I've, I've luckily, you know, a touch wood that there hasn't been you, Yeah, I have had the occasional shout across the street or whatever, you know, but um, but that's basically as far as it's gone with me, luckily.
1: Yeah, or, or a stare if you're, like, holding someone's hand in public. Or, uh, yeah, I've had that a couple of times, but nothing, nothing that would make me want to go put a big Facebook rant or post about it. And I guess that's lucky. And actually, it's probably, I think, living in Scotland, I think we're so accepting mm-hmm. that that's why. There's mm-hmm. only one time, actually, uh, talking about negativity that something negative was said and it was my first job in radio. Okay. And uh, so this would be right about the time I met you. And uh, It wasn't me, buddy. It, it, was, it wasn't me. Mickey. That's when I knew I was gay. When I met Mickey, I knew I was gay. <laughs> no, um, there, was, there was this guy who was in charge and uh, I had a, picture of me in the radio station because I think it was sixteen seventeen and it was cool to have your Bebo Facebook your be- <laughs> Bebo picture as that in a radio station and it was quite obvious from my Bebo that I was gay and this guy who was in charge of the station went can you take that picture down we don't want anything gay to be associated with this radio station. No way! And I thought what? And it, part of me was like this is not right you can't say this but also I was a 16 year old starting off in an industry where it's very hard to get in so I just shut up and took the picture down. Oh, wow. By the way, just point, it wasn't this radio station that I'm working for right now. If our boss David is listening, David, it wasn't you. <laughs> I can now see David scrolling from my Facebook, liking every picture to show.
0: <laughs> I, I kind of had the opposite. I uh, went into the radio station, got my first job and didn't tell anybody I was gay and everybody must have just assumed. But as it transpired, as I found out, as I got to know people, but 90% of them were. I know, you know, what, ra- I know what radio station that was. well. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the same radio station where Cher was on the playlist 10 times a day? <laughs> that might have been. Might have been. <laughs> Mickey, when was your first Pride? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I was quite a late kind of um, Pride goer, if I'm honest with you. I was probably about 20, and it was in London. And uh, we went down, it was called, uh, I think they, they rebranded it that year as the Big Gay Out. And uh, we kind of went down in the train. And it was at Finsbury Park and it was all weekend and uh, it was just brilliant it was just absolutely brilliant start off in Finsbury Park you had all the acts and you had the March there obviously and then afterwards um, everybody kind of made their way down to Soho and old Compton Street was just like this big big plethora of uh, of gays lesbians transgender everybody and um, it was just a brilliant weekend no social distance in there no not in those Don't. days <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I think Certainly my first pride? I think my first pride was Manchester
1: Pride. Um, I can't remember how long ago it was, uh, but I, w- I just remember going to it, and it was this huge festival, which mm. something I'd, I'd only ever been to before at Tea in the Park, and it was Tea in the Park, but everything was gay. Tea in the Park with rainbows and <laughs> just everything. I actually think uh, that is the year that Sophie Ellis and Mel C were singing. Oh wow! And All Saints. It was All
0: Saints. All Saints. I, I think remember- we had. Um, I think we had Super Sister. Do you remember them that did that, uh, that song, I like my men like I like my coffee, that was the highlight of the weekend for What's me. What's the line in that hot, strong and sweet? Like toffee. Oh. <laughs> wow.
1: So we should probably say that Pride didn't start like this, Pride started a long, long time ago mm. and th- the first Pride march protest took part in the US in about 1970. So this was uh, to mark the anniversary of the Stonewall riots in New York, uh, Stonewall pub in New York is where it all started. I remember going there the first time I ever went to New York, and you can—the place feels like something important has happened there. All right, it's got that feel about it. So, what happened uh, at about one in the morning? On the 28th of June, 1969, the Stonewall Inn was raided by the NYPD. Now, this happens once every two weeks because back in the day, it was illegal to be gay. Yeah. So, and this was a regular occurrence because in New York, it was illegal to serve a gay man alcohol and even for gay men to dance together. Now, I've been to the Stonewall Inn and it's a sweat fest. There (laughs) There is some amount of dancing that happens in there and there's a lot of alcohol, let me tell you. So, this place... Um, was raided like once every two weeks and during you know, a typical raid uh, customers were lined up and their ID checked and those without identification or if they were dressed in drag
0: Then they were arrested Wow, could this... you imagine not serving the gays alcohol now? There'd be another riot
1: Well, actually, I think that would happen again. You imagine go, "No, there's no alcohol here. That's it and you're not allowed to dance <laughs> But anyway this particular night um, the, the, the people in the Stonewall Inn had had enough and they refused to cooperate Now, a drag queen by the name of Martha P. Johnston is often credited with starting the Stonewall Riots. It's not been confirmed, but it's said that she threw the first brick at the police, which started the riots. It's also said that she threw a shot glass at a mirror when it started. I hope that didn't have any alcohol in it. What a waste. (laughs) Uh, Either way, you don't hear about the riots without hearing her name. Whatever happened, the events that happened that night are what led to
0: the riots. And that is what led to us having Pride. And it was like, what was it? About five days worth of of writing as well, wasn't it, afterwards?
1: So there is a movie you can watch um, on Netflix and some of the facts in it are a bit stupid, but you'll you'll get the the kind of gist of it from there. Yeah, the riots went on for five days and exactly one year after uh, that happened in 1970, Pride and protest marches were held in New York, in San Francisco, in Chicago and Los Angeles, calling for gay liberation to show a nationwide support for gay rights. And that is how Pride started. Pride. Scotland's march for equality. So closer to home, Mickey, the first UK gay pride rally took place in London in 1972, and uh, I know someone who was there because I have stayed in his villa in Grand Canaria. It's amazing Ooh. the people you meet when you're on holiday. <laughs> so his name's Colin Bell, and he used to be MD of London Records, and uh, he used to manage the likes of Jimmy Somerville, uh, Elton John, to name but a few. Name dropping in there, and uh, he tells us about the first gay
0: pride in London. I do remember, I'm not sure which year it was. I remember um, there was a gay harmony group whose name at the second Escapes Me, and they, they, they sang Slam Family Stones, We Are Family. And I remember the entire crowd singing along to this. And uh, it, it was a much smaller event, of course, than those days. was just a platform and some people on the platform. How many people were there? I don't know, 1,000, 2,000? I mean... It felt like a crowd, but a small crowd. Would you say it was a, a
1: protest then, or, or was it a, a party? Oh, no, it was a protest. It was a protest for a long
0: time. It didn't become a party until the 80s. Fascinating stuff. And did you know that the first major Pride event in Scotland took place in Edinburgh in 1995? Oh, that, it's just that a wee that boy. Wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. I know, that's that's so... Because you sense that Pride has been on for years, but that's, what, only 25 years ago? Yeah, the first Pride March in Scotland gathered on Barony Street in Edinburgh on the 17th of June, and they reckon about 3,000 people attended. How does that... 3,000, how does that kind of equate with what we we get nowadays? So it's it's now three or four times the size of it nowadays, isn't it? And actually, I I think that now there's more families come to Pride, Mm. and people from all walks of life, and more allies, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, A bit of a shame that this year has been cancelled as well, because it would have been the 25th anniversary... Uh, of Pride in Scotland. Do you know why I'm gutted? And I always quite like to wear outrageous
1: outfits to Pride because oh, it's the no. one time of year you, you can. Do you remember? Um, I had a phase. Oh, not the hot pants. Not the no, hot pants. No, no, it was the no. dungarees
0: phase. Oh, I loved the dungarees. <laughs> you were like something out of Prisoner Cell Block H. I know. And I had a fascination of not wearing a t-shirt underneath. I'm just a bad right. Let's
1: move on. Right next, next. <laughs> But seriously, Pride is—it's great because you get people from all walks of life, and you can go and be yourself, and you can go where face paint, you can have a rainbow, whatever you want, all over you, and just whatever be yourself. you
0: want. <laughs> <laughs> it's a of gold at the end of that one. <laughs> but what actually happens at Pride, Mickey? The stuff we well, can talk about. What happens at Pride? <laughs> what happens at Pride stays at Pride, Grant, as you well know. Um, but it is kind of different wherever you go. Um, is it a protest? Is it a party? Or is it both? It kind of is a bit of both, really, when you think about it. It is still a protest because I think we still need a protest because there is still a lot of homophobia out there. For example,
1: Mm. if I was a straight couple walking down the street holding my girlfriend's hand, no eyelids would be batted. If I walked down the street holding my boyfriend's hand, it doesn't happen all the time and it happens less and less, but sometimes you get a look. And it's that look is why I think we need pride because you need to educate people that that's not all right. To make someone feel different
0: is not all right. I think as well, when when you look at Pride and the Pride March, and I know a lot of people say, well, you know, equal marriage is here and uh, uh, LGBT community is is more protected in Scotland than it would be in other places in the world. But that's the key to it, because there are still places in the world where they're not allowed a Pride March, but, um, you know, they've got a, a regime in place where it might still be illegal. In some countries, you can still be put to death. So the Pride March kind of encompasses not just what's happening in Scotland, but It kind of nods to what's happening in the rest of the world as well. So, um, Tunisia, um, we've got Saudi Arabia, Chad, Nigeria,
1: Egypt, Ethiopia, just some of the countries where homosexuality is illegal in 2020. And some of these countries, it's actually punishable by death. Though in saying that, though, um, I have been to a country where it's uh, illegal to be gay. And uh, also the country I was in, it was illegal to drink alcohol. And uh, you know what I'm like when I've had a wee drink? Yes, I... I, Can't hide very much... Uh, my mate Colin calls it Flappy Syndrome, uh, flap <laughs> like a wee bird, and uh, it, it was okay. The, those countries are becoming more and more accepting, but the laws need to change. It can in 2020. How can you make it illegal to be in love with someone and stay with your partner? How can I'm, that be? I'm
0: interested to find out which country it was you went to and had a wee drink and started getting flapped. Was it Fife? <laughs> it was. Yes. <laughs> I say that as a Fifer. We're Fife. Scotland's march for equality.
1: You're listening to Pride,
0: Scotland's March for Equality, with PinkSaltire.com. Now, PinkSaltire are empowering those most marginalised, offering a space to be heard and leading change in their communities.
1: And you can find out more about the charity and the inspiring work they do. Honestly, they are amazing. Head to PinkSaltire.com.
0: Pride, Scotland's March for Equality. Um, So, were we early or late adopters of Pride in this country?
1: I think we were fairly early. So if you look at the, the first Pride in London in 1972, um, after the Stonewall riots in New York in 1969, yeah, we were fairly early. And if you look at Scotland, even 1995, I know it's not that
0: long ago, but it's it's still quite an early adopter of Pride. Well, Dundee uh, only had its first Pride about three years ago. And uh, here's Professor Tim Kelly from Dundee University to tell us a little
3: bit more. We just had our third uh, celebration this past weekend. Of course, it was virtual. The first two were uh, live face-to-face in the the city centre. The founding really belongs to uh, an organisation called Pink Saltire and uh, Dundee City Council working together. So they roped me in fairly early on to take on the co-chair role.
0: I lived in Dundee for a long time And uh, we never had a pride back then. In fact, we didn't really have anything except a couple of bars. What made the the team in Dundee decide that uh, you were going to have a pride?
3: Um, well at the time um, there was a, a move to try to um, to get prides established out with the central belt you know um, LGBT people live all over the place not just in the big cities and you know there was something about a city of Dundee's size where young people felt they needed to move away to be themselves you know it just didn't sit right that we needed to, to be to be visible and and try to make sure that LGBT people felt uh, welcomed and safe within the uh, city. And having a a visible, positive presence of LGBT people is one way to do that. So it was really to try to help increase visibility in Dundee and show that we're we're part of the the community. And this really is a, a safe and wonderful place to live and grow up and thrive.
0: Dundee's a very young city with with two universities, and it's kind of reinventing itself as a place for the arts and creatives. Um, is there more of a call for pride now, do you think? You can tell
3: I'm not from Dundee by my accent, but the stories I've heard from people who lived uh, and, and grew up here you know, in earlier times, um, there would have been a real need for it at that point <laughs> that too, because you know, th- there was a lot of prejudice, homophobia, transphobia, and those sorts of things. And, and and so it could have been useful back then as well. I think there's probably more of a critical mass of folk who are able and willing to to be visible across the city you know that a lot of the cultural of, of venues also help bring in people to help make that possible as well as the lgbt people who who were born and bred here in dundee why
1: is it taken until uh, or why do you think it's taken until 2017 for dundee to have a pride
3: i don't really know uh to, is the honest answer um um it was partly just uh, happened at the right time uh, that people uh, came together and, and tried to, to make it happen. Uh, my understanding is people had tried in the past, uh, but it never came to fruition. I think the, the support of an organization like Pink Saltire and the support of Dundee City Council helped make it possible. And certainly. In the 17 years I've lived in in Scotland now, there's an, an increased visibility of of LGBT people. So it just uh, just I think seemed right. The the city is going through an incredible rebirth, and so it seemed to fit into the the zeitgeist of of the times.
1: I used to love a night out in Dundee. Do you remember the bar Brooks?
0: I don't remember Brooks. I remember Charlie's Bar, and I remember Liberties. That was maybe before my time. <laughs> all right, all <laughs> <Sorry>. right. <laughs> Did you have to chap on the door to get in? <laughs> I had my own parking space outside. I was in there
1: that often. Well, that was the thing. In the early days of gay clubs, now I remember this because there was a club in Glasgow called Bennett's and they kept this as a bit of a novelty. It didn't mm. actually have to happen, but some gay clubs were shut away because it, it just wasn't okay to have a gay club. So they had a locked door policy. So you had to chap on the door and they would have a wee look, see if you were all right to come in, and they would let you in. You used to get the old... Not tonight.
0: (laughs) Not tonight, lads. What?
1: Not tonight. Or um, are you sure you know this is a gay club?
0: I've had that a few times. yes. I
1: mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be doing
0: your job, but come on. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what kind of place this is? Do I look like I know? Sometimes those clubs are the best, though, Grant. There's one in Lisbon uh, called Final Ment, which is just absolutely brilliant, and it's like that. You wouldn't even know there was a club there, and you just ding the bell and you wait for somebody to come out. This is brilliant. Is that the one where
1: you walk along the pavement and the pavement's vibrating because you can hear it, but you can't (laughs) work out where it's coming from? That's the one. Do you know we couldn't get in because we couldn't find a door? I went to Lisbon, and this is a legendary club, and you cannot find it because it's hidden away. Do you want to hear a really horrible story, actually, about um, hidden away gay clubs? Um, I went to Serbia and went to Belgrade, and I have this thing where whenever I go to a Country, I have to find a gay bar because there's certain things you only normally get in gay bars. It's normally uh, Hazel Dean and Whitney Houston and uh, <laughs> cheaper drinks prices. But um, I have a, th- I, have a th- I just I like to go find out a little bit about the LGBT history of the countries I'm in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Serbia doesn't have a great uh, reputation when it comes to LGBT history, and uh, they only had the first Pride's I think four or five years ago. And this bar was like someone's living room, so it was hidden mm-hmm. away uh, around the back of some houses. You had to chap to get in. And it was busy, it was packed, and the woman was just serving out of her purse. And it's because it is so not okay to be gay there that it has to be hidden away. Wow. But what a cracking night and what a cracking wee place she's got. It was nice to be invited into her living room for a wee dance. Did you pull? Uh, Next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Glasgow Pride, I'm going to give you a big admission here, Grant. I have never been to Glasgow Pride. What? How could you never have been to Glasgow Pride? I've never been to Glasgow Pride. I've been to Edinburgh Pride. I've been uh, to London. I've never been to Glasgow Pride. So Glasgow Pride is my favourite
1: Pride because there's certain things that just Glasgow does well and uh, seeing, I think it was 10,000 people partying and dancing to the GBX on a Saturday night in the rain is one of my highlights. I'm sure this was like two or three years ago and everyone's face paint was running off because it doesn't rain in Glasgow, it pours. It was just a great, great night. And it's again, it's one of those things that more allies come every year and
0: it gets bigger and bigger. In fact, a couple of years ago, it was so big, not everybody could get in. I remember seeing that. I remember seeing that. Lots of people kind of outside taking selfies, I should do. Um, but you got, you got in all right. Oh, I was fine. I was there <laughs> early. I was there two right. weeks before with a tent.
1: <laughs> we can hear more about Glasgow Pride from last year's event director, Brendan.
4: Glasgow Pride um, started way back when I was still at university. It started back in 2004. Um, it was originally um, known as Pride Scotia. And then um, there was a bit of a changeover in 2008, um, I believe. Um, t- and then it was known as Pride Glasgow. And then um, since then there's been, the Pride events been been running in Glasgow. It's really went from being a very small, not small scale, kind of medium scale thing, organised by volunteers to becoming a kind of large scale event that's um, organised by, you know, it's got a full board of directors, a board of trustees, they've got a forum uh, with service users and a professional Mm -hmm. events team on board as well. So it went from this kind of community thing, there was a need established for it. I mean, people that started turning out to even the first Pride event, I mean, it was overwhelming to the point where in 2016, 2017, we had Nicola Sturgeon leading the parade. Um, record numbers um so it's just really grown because there is there was a need for it and people wanted that way to celebrate and that way to promote their self-affirmation and celebrate being a member of the community
1: and would you say that the the people who've attended prize have changed has it has it been more
4: younger people coming more families coming lots more families uh, i've noticed over the years um last year we ran a, a kind of first of its kind a of kind of special indoor Pride event at Barrowlands um, which was focused at families it was run during the daytime. we had lots of you know different acts on different performers, they had a, a market um, and yeah we noticed there was such a large amount of families, a lot of young people there uh, with mums and dads accompanying them so really the audience has changed and, and you know I, I um, didn't attend my first Pride until something like 2013 and I had an expectation in my mind of, of what the crowd would be like, you know, and mm-hmm. what it would be like, and it was completely different. I mean, there's people from all walks of life, and that that has changed as Pride's grown.
1: Now, um, do you think um, it's developed into almost more of a party than you were saying? You know, it's, it's got to like a big two-day event. Now you had loads of different
4: things on indoors, more a party than a protest. Um, I'd say more of a, a kind of a, a celebration of okay. difference and diversity. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it is a party. It is a party, but we need to remember the meaning behind it and why we're able to have that. We were, we're so lucky that we have a local authority that, that, yeah. that backs pride. We're so lucky to be able to to do this without fear um, and to be in a city that really has embraced pride and to become one of the biggest in the UK.
2: Pride. Pride.
0: Scotland's March for Equality. Uh, So what about uh, Pride memories? What what have you seen? What's your best Pride story, Grant? Oh, I've got loads. I mean, it depends how far you want me to go here. So my best Pride story is I just
1: remember seeing Texas, actually, Glasgow Pride one year, and it was sunny and warm. I was handing out sunscreen. uh, Sunscreen. Oh, wow. I know. I imagine that. And uh, there was this wee couple in front of me here, maybe like 16, 17. And just seeing them holding hands and kissing, dancing along with Charlie Spateri was amazing. Uh, I have seen some very strange things at Pride as well. <laughs> um, the, uh, there's a lot of um, pups um, go to Pride now. A lot of pups? A lot of pups. <laughs> um, so a lot of Pride um, is about you know expressing yourself and it's a safe place to do that. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of fetishes that make their way out into Pride. So you see all the leather gang all the time. <laughs> All right, here we go. I always think when you get a warm pride and you get the rubber gang coming out, I'm like, how can they They have to scrape that off? Do you know they use talcum powder to scrape it off? Um, but a lot of pups now are coming to pride. So um, pup play is a thing and they dress up as dogs. Really? Yep. Any, any particular kind of dog? Or does it really matter? I think you can choose and you get your own lead and uh, you sometimes have a wee bowl to drink your drink out of. This is went in a, a very strange place. But I mean, it, everything's there and it's a safe place for this to happen. I'm just thinking about like,
0: can you can you be a golden Labrador? What would I be? A pooch. Oh, you'd be you'd be a wee nippy dug You'd be a, <laughs> one you'd of be those wee... ones that's biting your ankles. Ah, uh, you'd be a wee Jack Russell that never shuts up. <laughs> 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 There's always glitter. I mean, you you talked about pups, but for me, it's the glitter, Grant.
1: Yes, you always need a really long shower after a Pride weekend for (laughs) several reasons. One of those reasons is (laughs) glitter and the face paint. And now, actually, they use biodegradable glitter, which is good, because for a long time, uh, glitter was really bad for the environment. Now it's all biodegradable, which is good. It also comes off easier, which is even better. Do you know one time I came into Mm. a meeting here after I'm sure it was in Edinburgh Pride, and uh, I
0: hadn't quite scrubbed enough, and there was still glitter in my hair. You used to walk about for weeks after Pride with glitter everywhere. Would just be you'd see under the studio lights suddenly somebody would be getting blinded from the other side of the studio. Oh, Grant's got the glitter on again. Are we twinkle in my? Eye.
1: <laughs> so Mickey, we've talked about Pride, we've talked about the party, the protests when it started, but what does Pride
0: mean to you? To me, oh, this is a, this is a tricky one because it, it means everything different to different people, but. Um, for me, it's just uh, it's just a, a place, a, a space that would be safe. It's not just the one event, but it's um, a, it's not even a movement. It's just a way of life, almost. I know that's making it sound really dramatic now. Pride is a way of life, but it, but it is. It's kind of everything you do and everyone you are, and and just being yourself and not needing to hide it away. Yeah I totally agree with that Actually I
1: don't say it would be dramatic there at all Because I think it is I look forward to Pride every year I try to do Prides In different countries as well It's people from all walks of life Coming together Celebrating being a wee bit different Having a party And it's a safe place to do that And as we mentioned People from all walks of life Come along to Pride Let's take some time to speak to someone who's taken part in a Pride match. Now, this is my mate, Jordy. Thanks for coming on, Jordy, who hosted Edinburgh Pride last year. And he tells us about his first Pride experience.
2: I think we would take it back to 2013, because i just turned 18 in February. And yeah, I just remember I was saying, um, Wade went out to the march and it was a great laugh. And then we went back to uh, Planet um, for a sweaty night out because it was literally filled to the brim with people and I'd never seen it that busy in my life. You were seeing a lot of people that maybe only came out once a year, that were in relationships, that were older. So it was quite a nice um, sense of community that everyone came together. It felt a bit like, I guess the way i have describe it, it's like a gay Christmas. Do you know,
1: I've actually said that before, I've DJed on Pride before and went a Happy Gay Christmas and no one got what I meant, <laughs> but I think you just summed it up there because it is, it's, it is people that from all all walks of the community getting together and having a big party
2: that is it, essentially yeah and just acknowledging and um you know thinking about the people that got us here and what they did for us i think that totally is it it's yeah it's that sense of community and family isn't it i love it
1: so why did you decide like to go along to that pride back in 2013 and was it for the party or was it something else was it to go out and have the the protest before that
2: like um I think for pride um the first year that I ended up going was just that it was quite a unanimous thing that when we were drinking in the nightlife here that everyone went it was kind of the dumb thing so I think I've kind of taken upon myself to go and do a bit of research and go well why is there a pride actually because you know we see pride events on tv and stuff on channel four and stuff and went oh why do they do that and I never actually knew um and that was kind of why, when everyone started talking about it and are you coming out for Pride this week? I went, oh, right, this is like quite a big thing then. And I think I now know my history and a bit more sort of the behind the scenes sort of the 80s and 90s with Section 28 and stuff. And I just really looked into my history and the LGBT kind of movement and just thought, oh, this is why we do this. It's not for like a up. I think particularly for me, when I got to host Pride last year, that was my moment of, oh, like this is actually... um, a big scale thing and I'm hosting it and I need to know what to say and I ended up speaking on stage about just sort of knowing where we came from and anyone that had came to Pride and stepped outside their front door that maybe wasn't even out to the public deserved a pat on the back and was a strong person
1: I think that's a really important thing to remember that whatever small step you've taken in coming out or accepting yourself it's
0: amazing and you should be so proud of yourself for taking it So uh, that was our first podcast and I've always wanted to do this, Grant, but I think you want to do it as well. You know when you see the disclaimer bits on the telly?
1: Yes. And I actually feel that this is really important and I've always wanted to say this though.
0: So can I do it? Is that right? Go on, you can do that. I'll do the next one though.
1: Yeah, so if you have been affected by any of the topics discussed in this podcast, please visit scottpridepodcast.co.uk for the help and advice you need. And we'll see you for the next one. Yeah, I can't wait to come back and share more stories. I'm going to have to go um, make more stories.
0: Fried. <laughs> Scotland's March for Equality.
1: On the next episode, we're going to talk to singer Kim
0: Petras about her struggles in the industry as a trans woman. We'll discuss the mistreatment and mental health within the LGBT community and we'll throw in some more stories about ourselves too. Well, do we have to. <laughs> Pride, Scotland's March for Equality, is brought to you by PinkSaltire.com.
1: Now, Mickey, Pink Saltire are Scotland's leading charity, providing hardship relief and responding to the needs of LGBT people
0: at a time of crisis and building back better. Doing a brilliant job as well, and you can learn more about them and get involved in making change happen by heading to their website. It's PinkSaltire.com.